What's going on, everybody? Nigel Marcellus here. Thank you for tuning in to another week of Nigel Marcellus interview series. This is a series where I interview some of the coolest, dopest people. And, you know, we really just unpack, talk about life, relationships, um, things that we're navigating. And today I'm honored. As many of you know, I am a lot more comfortable, a lot feel a lot more safer talking to women. And when it comes to men, I'm really particular who I talk to. And today I have a special guest. He is a man, a brother, somebody who I trust, somebody who I really appreciate. And somebody who, again, we were talking earlier, we always talk in passing and those conversations in passing are always fire. So now we finally have some intentional time to talk. So I want y'all to introduce y'all to my brother, Casey Grimes. Brother, I appreciate you for being here. Hey, God bless you, bro. You know it, man. I, I'm, I'm blessed to be here, though. I'm excited, man. This is, this is going to be real cool. No, I'm really excited. So for all the people who don't know, can you give them a breakdown, just who you are, um, how you introduce yourself to anybody who, like, just met you for the first time and let them know, you know, kind of like what you're passionate about, what your interests are and whatnot? Yeah, no, for sure. So Casey Grimes, um, I'm a father of two. I always ex- express that first and foremost um, of two beautiful young kings, uh, Julius and J-Man, six and three. Um, for me specifically, I always just come through and express that I'm just a man of gratitude. Um, and I don't say that it's more so how I, how I, you know, push myself forward, body language, tone. Um, I want to make sure that everyone feels respected when I come and introduce myself to them in our spaces, but, um, transition coach, man, it's what I, it's my passion. Um, I'm currently a digital marketer, um, here at the university of Kentucky. I'm also a program outreach coordinator as far as like titles go, but, um, I'm into the field of marketing. I'm also into the field of outreach. Um, so all of that entails of I'm a big connector. Uh, just to simplify, I love to connect. Um, I love to relate. Um, I love to build on conversations. I love to be curious um, each and every day. If I don't know something, I'm going to go out and go, you know, research about it, learn about it, um, just so I can be um, I can be more cognizant of others and where they're coming from. So that's who I am. Um, also. Black male. I love to express myself. Afro-Caribbean. My family's from Trinidad and Tobago. So uh, I speak Patois. I speak Spanish, um, speak English. And I love repping it, dog. As you can see, I'm always wearing black. So, yeah. um, you know, that's just that's just something about me that I love to, you know, I'm not going to hide about. I wear my skin. I'm, I wear my I wear my skin every single day. So absolutely. Brother, yo, one again, I can't like thank you enough for being a part of this and the one thing that I really love that you said and the number one thing you highlighted first is just fatherhood. You know what I mean? And I think black fathers are so important and being able to show up and show out and your mm-hmm. children's life is like such a priority and so needed, especially when you have sons, but of course, when you have daughters too. And I'm just kind of like curious, how is it navigating fatherhood for you? Yeah. So, um, I should I should express. Right. So I appreciate you telling me earlier before we started, just, you know, come as I am. Um, so, you know, fatherhood is it's, it's no joke as far as um, difficulty. Um, you are navigating and you are disciplining as well the life of two human beings that have no structure. Um, you are their first influence, um, you know, outside of like before mother. I mean, after motherhood first influence when it comes to especially like young men I have two sons biggest influence they have is me um you know and it's definitely besides to say my my duty it's it's something ingrained in me just to continue to um 
give them, you know, the things I didn't have. Is anyone like, it might sound cliche, but like you truly want to give um, anyone like mentees, younger kids, your own kids, like you want to give them what you didn't have, that wisdom, um, you know, that sense of identity and security in themselves, um, you know, confidence, competence, especially. Um, but man, navigating fatherhood, it's, it's difficult, man. It's so fun. I, I, I absolutely love being a young dad. It's only 27. And the experience I have of being able to grow up with my kids, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, it's different, you know, like it's different if I was 40 and financially stable is, you know, more than I am now and that, but I still have my body. Um, I still have my charisma. I still have my enthusiasm, um, you know, and I'm, I'm hungry still. So they get all of that from me. Um, and you know, sometimes that can be difficult because, you know, you growing at the same time, also they will grow and they will challenge your thoughts. I, I get challenged on the daily. That doesn't sound right, Pops. Yeah, you know, like, no, I'm not doing that because of this. Like they have rationale and um just the influence that you that that I've shared, man, over my kids um has been has been uh has been tough, challenging, but it's also been great because I have great mentors too. So I know like you you've spoken with Walt. Walter Malone was actually the one that kept me in college um, when I was studying psychology. Mm. Um, he was a big reason why I decided to go get my master's. Um, he, got, he got me with my mentor. It's a, actually Professor Xavier, man. So it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's also doable, especially having mentors and people, um, you know, to just support you, keep the village around you. Yeah. So what, what would you say, like, with that is kind of like the biggest misconception of being a Black father? Again, I think like when we talk about black fatherhood, there, there's a lot of a lot of narratives, yeah. a lot of stories and a lot of different experiences that are I want to say like a lot of them are very valid based on like people are raised. But I think mm -hmm. also too, like when it comes to navigating fatherhood, especially for somebody like you, who's like a lot younger, too. There's a lot of misconceptions that comes with it. And a lot of people kind of bring in these assumptions. So like kind of like just in your experience, what has been like the biggest misconception? I think the. Mm, I don't want to just shoot this really quick, but as I chew on this a little bit, um, and I'll, I'll be a little raw here, right? Like, it's like even in my relationship now with the mother of my kids, we co-parent, um, and it hasn't always been, um, especially like communicatively, like um, she's a she's a white female, I'm Afro-Caribbean, and like where we've come from, our values um, as we had children really started to drift and a huge misconception then um, was that, um, you know, I thought making sacrifices was uh, essential growing up, and I mm -hmm. still stand by that. I think a huge misconception about being a, a, a father, especially a Black father, um, is when you have to make the sacrifices that, um, you know, that doesn't, you know, that, that not everyone agrees with, not, not everyone doesn't see, um, specifically, like, making a sacrifice that, you know, you're having to make um, and it might cost other people's time. Um, and the misconception about that is that, you know, you're not you're not going to you're not going to have um, you're not going to have everyone on your side. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sacrificing is not sacrificing is not um, a handicap for black men. It's actually a very powerful tool. Um, especially when it's for other young men of color um, and in this situation for my kids. So I think making sacrifices is essential and that's a huge misconception 
um, in our in our community of people of color. Um, and like, you know, at that moment, uh, the mother of my kids, you know, it just wasn't aligned in her values. It's not something that she was brought up with. Um, and I got, you know, more cognizant on what her values were as we grew, up, grew together more in this relationship of co-parenting. But it's essential you sacrifice. You've got to sacrifice something as, as, a, as a man of color. And um, yeah, that, that's probably it. Yeah. Damn. Nah, that, that's heavy. And I, I can only imagine, too, because it's like not only are you, do you have to sacrifice for your kids, but then at the same time, like you mentioned earlier, like you in school, you know what I mean? You have your own goals, you have your own dreams, you have like all these other um, aspects of your life that you're chasing, too. So kind of like, how do you how do you even balance that? And, and bro, listen, all of this is free game because I'm going I'm to check back at this when I'm a father. <laughs> way, way in the future. You know what I mean? So right. giving me free game right now. But yeah, how do you balance like the things that you yeah. want to pursue, um, like relationships, life, and all this other stuff on top of like all of that? Yeah, you know, um, you know, there I've gotten really I've gotten really aligned with like framework. So like knowing like kind of like how to do things step by step. Mm. Um and when it comes to the like I've 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 <laughs> this has been like a demon that was on like my back years ago with trying to balance that. Like I'm, I'm a huge, I am a huge and very ambitious young man. Um, I also have a huge desire to be a great father. Um, sorry, there's like some traffic coming by, but I, and with that as well, like I also, you know, I would love to be in a relationship as well. Um, you know, like, I mean, I'll say like I, I love women, but not in like a sexual aspect. More of like I love just being able to like have a counterpart to bounce off of, right? Like all of those things and aspects that I want, but the balance act of like okay, like well, here's school, here's work, provide for kids, you know, like take shorty back, like all of these things cultivate into stress um, and how to balance that, so like so to speak. Um, I won't say it goes back to sacrificing something, but um, I read this quote by Kobe and it said, you know, like he had in his book, he said, just do it. Um, and in that quote, he was like, you know, I knew what I wanted to do to be, I knew what I had to do to be great. Um, and, you know, there was no, there was no rationalizing it. There was nothing that was going to rationalize me from being like, oh, I got to be great, but I need to spend time with my kids and put them to bed and wake them up and do this or Oh, I want to, you know, I want to be with this girl, but, you know, at the same time, I got to go get this money and go work and stuff like that. Like to be great, like putting everything like what's that one thing that's going to drive you no matter what. Um, and I had to realize that, like, no matter what, my biggest drive in life um, was to mentor younger, younger males, especially just younger individuals around this time in college um, on how to make transitions in their life, which led me to coaching. And I knew, like, you know. You know, I'm gonna have to sacrifice some time with my kids. I'm gonna have to sacrifice, like, you know, like not pick up another job to make more money. I'm gonna have to sacrifice, you know, like stuff that's related to like work after work and just focus in on what my passion is. Um, so if anything, it's you know, it's knowing what you've got to do and doing it no matter what. There's no, there's no this, oh, this came up, nah. Or, you know, oh my grandma wants me to hang out with her, like important, very, but like schedule that time in somewhere you know what i'm saying like yeah you 
you have to stick by your word. Making a commitment to yourself is the biggest thing you can do. Even if you have kids, even if you're married, even if, you know, like that commitment of what your values are and what you stand by, mm-hmm. um, it goes a long way and it allows others to respect you. Um, and I've learned that, the, you know, the hard way. Um, so, yeah. Man, yo, what I love about what you said, too, is I think that, like, sometimes, like, we forget how important it is to have a commitment with ourselves and being able to really, like, identify our values, what's important, what do we want, um, rather than always trying to, like, rationalize it, being able to be real clear and cut on, like, yo, this is what I want, this is what I need to do, this is the yeah. way I can do it, and then really being able to, like, execute that plan. And I think a lot of what greatness is, like Kobe was saying, and, like, what Kobe is is being able to like execute once you have that better understanding of self, right? Um, So like with that being said, like what what is the work that you have done in order to get to a place to better understand like your wants and your needs? Because I think, again, that's not something that's easy. It's not something that a lot of people know how to do. And especially as men, black men specifically, you have Mm -hmm. all these sources, all these people, society, um, expectations, statistics telling us what we need to be, what we need to want, what we need. Um, how did you kind of like tune out the noise, focus on you and figure out your wants and your needs, what you're going for, what you care about? Yeah. So, I, um, for me, like pain, man, um, I, I, that is probably the quickest, I mean, the quickest, probably the most critical answer I can give you, man. Like pain is a huge motivator for me. Um, and I put myself in very like stressful situations early and I don't mean like pain, like let me set myself up to feel awful with this person it's like it is pain of you know i'm going to choose to go to the library and read all night about this thing that i really want to be great at in a few years um although it's my homie's birthday and i you know like you know he wants me to be out there whatever or i'm going to take this ice bath in the morning at 4 a.m before my workout um to put myself in a routine of because i i want to be better at this working out exercise etc like for me like pain is a huge elicitor to and a huge catalyst i should say to what my success has been like um i put myself in situations that you know keeps me outside the box it's my mantra stay out the box not inside of fear and anything that i feel and i think more so um i'm scared of i try and do Mm -hmm. so right now in my routine right now I, i take an ice bath in the morning 4.30 4.30 a.m. for my workouts. It's, it's, it sucks. It's probably the worst thing ever. You're probably thinking, like, what is this boy talking about? Like, <laughs> it's, that's it. That is, that is me, though, right? Like, yeah. other people have other routines. Like, like other people just have other, have other routines and things like that. But for me, my catalyst is, is, is pain. And it's really, I would say you could look at it as deep, um, but it's also been a lot of what my childhood has been like. Just, you know, growing up in a single mom's household, you know, not having any sort of emotional, um, you know, or like any type of emotional ties with many of the men in my family. Um, You know, a lot of what I did was, you know, I went to pain, like, you know, what were things that, you know, like, what were things that basically made me peculiar? I was weird. Why why would this guy be doing this? Mm. Um, And that got me to where I am at now. Like, you know, reading reading tons of books at, at, at work um you know having very open vulnerable conversations with people that are white um that un- don't understand blackness and being very raw and blunt about it in spaces that you, you should 
um, code switching. Like, you know, like I, I can't do that. Like, you know, like where am I do rag to work in a place where you should be suited and tied up? Like, you know, anything that like would cause other people pain and be like, what is, but still having the sense of, um, still having the sense of uh, competence to be able to hang, if not teach and mentor others. Um, I know I kind of went like two ways with that question, but pain would be the main thing that that brings me forward. And it looks like it looks like a lot of different ways, like taking a, taking time to write poetry or like I said, the ice bath thing or, you know, doing something somebody wouldn't do. Skydiving. I've been I've done that, um, you know, like bungee jumping, like all the things that are. Someone would wouldn't do in their lifetime. I try and I'll try and live by that. Yeah, no, I love that. And. And, you know, like in my experience, I'm always kind of believe like your mess often becomes your message. And it's funny, too, mm -hmm. because it's like I knew you did coaching and I knew um, like being able to like pour into younger men. It was always important. And even the stuff that you even like tap, tapped into me with to like be a part of, it always dealt with like younger people. And I always wonder in the back of my mind, I've always had this kind of like understanding that a lot of people, their purpose is always tied in with some type of pain point and trying to make things mm -hmm. better. And I was always curious to kind of like, how do you, what kind of led you to really wanting to pour into younger men, into coaching and coaching people and really helping them kind of learn. And I feel like each, each yeah. question I've asked you so far is like giving me the different pieces, but I'm wondering like specifically just to hear from you, like what, what do you think is like your main driving force of like your purpose of like how you, or why do you even feel called to being a coach? No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, a lot of it does with like the the <laughs> out man. Where do I start? Um, I won't drag super long. I just did with the last question, but man, um, one thing I one thing that has drawn me to where I'm at now is the proximity of people I've always wanted to be around. Um, so I expressed Walter was Walter Malone was one man I got in contact with um, in my junior year uh, here at UK and. Um, Seeing another black man like open, being like, "Hey, yeah, come talk to me. We'll chop it up." Um, he's suit and tie, but like his language just was like we was outside, um, you know. And the dialogue was just—it was so enriched in value, um, and it didn't have any sort of validation, but more so, um, you know, like, like really critical and constructive feedback um, for where I was at during that time, and that led me to having a mentor, um, which, you know, he was my TA, actually. He was, he's a white guy, but he's, he was dope. We listened to the same music, you know, like being in proximity of people that um, I found very curious and also very weird. I was like, you want to be a psychiatrist and you're black? Like, you, you big as hell too, Walt? You don't want to do nothing else? Like, next thing you know, like, it, it, it definitely started to register. I was like, man, like, you know, he's got influence. Like, I want that. I want to be influential to other other young men, um, you know. And also knowing, like, I wanted kids at an early age, just, you know, God answered my prayers. I mean, during the time, it, it just happened. Um, and I was I was scared but stoked at it at the same time. And so being in proximity of other men that had influence um, in a benevolent way um, would, would basically be what carried me to this point now. Um, 
I love to relate with the with the population of not even population, but just like this generation too. It's so it's so fun to have conversations with people that um that you know, like their interpretation of life is is so much, so much stress, there's so much going on. Um, and being able to share a eureka moment with somebody else mm-hmm. that has so much going on and give them a sense of like, oh damn, like I can breathe again. You know, it takes me to another level like of, of euphoria, man. I'm so that's exactly what got me here was the people I surrounded myself around. Yeah, no, that's powerful, bro. I love it. Cause honestly, like you're in my mind, like you're, you're a great coach. And I feel like you have all the qualities as far as like the empathy, listening, compassion, curiosity that like really helps be a motivator for people to even want to talk. You know what I mean? And I think like, I think about like some of the coaches I had as far as like sports wise, and I've had some good coaches. Mm -hmm. I had some great coaches and the, what, um, and some like horrible ones. And I think the what made everything yep, yep. was like the, the ones who like was truly invested in me and not beyond the school, beyond the sport, beyond whatever I'm going on. It's like the yep. those are the people who I've always gravitated and was always thankful and listened to the most. And similar to like Walt, as somebody who has like that background in psychology and he really comes from a more like counseling side of things. Even mm-hmm. to your point, like the way he talks is so authentic. The way he is, the way he can think, it's just so real. And he invests in people. And yeah. I, just because of that, that's like, that's why I'm always like drawn to having conversations with him is because of like just that realness. And I think there's a lot of, there's a, almost like a lack of real because I think a lot of people are almost like scared to be themselves, you know? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it, man, it's so funny, man. Like, um, it's so it's so funny, man. Like you'll see many. I I, I use the I use the population of students so much because being around, but just in this time now, like um, the the influence of or not the influence, but the power to speak in public, even in smaller spaces, is such a it's such a it's such a powerful skill now. Um, you know, like being able to walk up to somebody and you know, like be confident not even say be confident, but just being able to walk up to somebody and ask for directions on something you're confused about. Mm-hmm. The simple things, right? The things that are very minuscule. Saying, you know, like giving people eye contact, right? Like all of those things are sort of like uh, invisible characteristics of our pastime. Um, you know, like handshakes, you know, like very close, intimate space, vulnerable space, that, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I, I see it as a, it's a lost art. Um, my my cousin, I was actually smoking with him at the the uh, Jake cigar bar. We're smoking cigars, um, and man, he told me uh, said something very powerful. He said, uh, "The greatest currency we have in this life is not money, but people." Mm. And I, I was like, "Man, I was like, I was like, okay, like I get that." He was like, "He's like, he was like, of course, it's that there's that quote of you know, it's it's not what you know, it's who you know." But he was like, "The greatest currency." in life is people the more people you know that can speak well on your name the more wealth you have and i was like it it sat sat with me for a while because i was like man like you know there's many people like friends are different people you can call on but people that could like write a recommendation for you if it is academic related or somebody that's like oh you need a job like i'll look out like let me you know let me see what i got like having that sense of having that sense of security not by your own, but by others. Um, it, it, man, it's it's 
it's funny because you don't see it happen so much. You know, like everyone else is letting the internet do it for them, you know, like, yeah. so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's funny in that way, but it's also, you know, it's a lost art, I feel like. Um, so, yeah. I think it is too, man. And I think like, it, it's funny too, because I'm not going to say like, um, the most social person in the world, even though everybody, everybody who comes across me thinks that. But I think like yeah. people fail to understand like how much that's cultivated, right? Like that wasn't mm -hmm. just given. That's something that like I've worked for and like building and just talk, talking to people and not wanting anything from them beyond just having a conversation. Exactly. And I think to your point, people always are looking for some way to like commodify others or have some type of like transactional relationship or friendship or whatever as far as like what can you do for me mm. where i feel as if like when it comes to people that's not always like the right approach like to me it's just more so like who are you like how what can i learn from you what mm. is something you're doing right now that i can appreciate and that's at every level like my dad always had a saying is like you do right by people people are going to do right by you and i think yep. it really comes down to like you know just building those relationships and yes yeah. your point i think is it's very much a lost art like people really don't know how to talk to each other people don't know how to um really build or listen and i think a lot of again like there's a lot of fear now there's a lot of fear of judgment failure rejection and all these kind of like aspects mm -hmm. so like for you how do you kind of help kids kind of like navigate that in this process when there's such a barrier of fear yeah, no, it's, I absolutely. I think um, one area is one area is expressing that you know there's to, to your point is not even to your point to what you said actually. I'll answer that question here in a moment. What you said was you know when you're when someone is trying to you know like like basically like build a relationship from you like sometimes you hear a lot now especially it's like okay like I got you but like what's in it for me like what can you do for me. Um, and I think that that sense of uh, there's there's this thing that uh, I learned in therapy was like um, it's, I mean I'm sure you probably know already as well as like having like the different sort of like attachment styles, mm. um, yep. right? And um, there's there's definitely a huge um, huge wave of unsecure attachment styles that happens in this generation where there's um, there's a sense of you know like I can do this if this and in church they call that conditional love rather than having a covenant um for any of those that are like you know like and into the church and whatnot but i'm just gonna i'm gonna bring up a few anecdotes but much of what we have now and we see now are condi conditional attachments so like even for example specific but people don't even students don't even think about it all the time now or people in general their group messages their tech their their group means their the the conversation they have on IG, the conversations they have on Twitter, um, for those short, small amount of times, right? Like you might have a group meet for a group assignment. It's a conditional attachment. You might have to be in this space for a certain amount of time. Even internships, it's a conditional attachment. Um, I just had a group of marketing ambassadors that were working under me. Um, and if I didn't invest in them the way I, I did this whole entire, it's only been 10 months I've been here, as far as working at UK, it would have been seen as a conditional attachment. Um, and that conditional attachment can really, um, can really incentivize, how, not incentivize, but can really, 
provoke people to continue to seek out conditional attachments in other areas. Mm -hmm. So in their relationships, in their friendships, in any sort of platonic, um, you know, or relational, familial rela uh, relationships, um, it will provoke those sense of um, that 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 sense of grouping to happen all the time. Um, and with students specifically, um, one thing I'll one thing I what you've done really well already, and I just been, I just love listening to your language, man. Like, is ask questions, like you know, like you know, what is what's the challenge for you? You, you know, like. You're having you're having a you you know it's you're having a difficulty of figuring out where you want to go after school. Okay, what is the real challenge for you? And having them to really think, what is a challenge for me? So you can ask that question to anything when it comes to someone making a transition or when it comes to someone having a difficult time in the present moment, whatever it may be. And um, I like to ask that question because what it does is it does three things. The first answer you're going to give me is not the real it's not the real answer. It's going to be the first immediate thing that comes to mind that's just there that you can think of that you're willing to share. Um, but I'll ask the second question, which, which is, OK, what else? What else is challenging you? And then in that asking two words, what else is going to elicit you? To either not BS me, but to continue to give me small hindrances that you wish would be gone or the real thing. Um, and I think students really appreciate that because what I'm doing in that time, body language, my tone, eye contact, um, you know, I'm not giving you a chance to, um, not to say breathe, but I'm not really giving you a chance to basically give me a fake answer of what's challenging you. And I know I kind of went like, sweared off a little bit, up, maybe, but um, to answer your question, man, there's, there's, there's so much attachment that's happening that's not real. It's not. It's not yeah. real. Um, you know, like it's it's something that is provoked by um, by this culture now, um, pop culture, especially not pop culture, but this culture now. I don't know if it's the right term. Um, and it 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 builds in a lot of uncertainty in people and in, in their decisions that they make. Um, so that's how, at least when I doing my research, I look into it more and more. I'm like, okay, like. You have an avoidant attachment style, or you have a disorganized attachment style, or you know you are secure, but you also have you know trust issues, right? Like we can say it out like you got trust issues from mm -hmm. culture, from what, like from your past or whatever, family, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I don't say that out loud, but it's, that's in my mind. I'm thinking like, okay, like you know, another one bites the dust. Like conditional attachment continues to show, um, but yeah, man, I. Great question, man. I really, I really like that. It just got me thinking about a whole bunch of more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Yo, since you brought up like attachment styles, like, have you ever taken that quiz? Have you ever seen what? Have you ever taken that quiz for the uh, attachment styles? Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. What's, what's your attachment style? So I have a disorganized attachment style. Okay. Uh, so my attach, I don't. Do you know what that is? Like, it's, yep. Yep. I have a disorganized attachment style, which um, relay a lot into my. My previous relationship um, a lot. Uh, I, I see a lot of it in my work, which is why, you know, I try and I try and get to the most solid, like solitude of solitude spaces to get my stuff done. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that that's mine. What about you? Now, yo, it was so funny, right? I was actually just thinking about attachment styles earlier because I feel like 
I was I was watching uh old clips of a video that I did, a conversation series. And back then I was definitely like when I first took it, I was fearful avoidant. So disorganized attachment style too. Mm -hmm. Um but I've been thinking about like how much I've grown over time. And it's ironic because today I was literally just thinking like, man, I really got to take that quiz over because I want to see how much I've grown in such a, um, mm. in time, because I feel like I'm not, I don't feel the same way with attachments that I once did. So I think I'm like, to answer the question, disorganized slash fearful avoided for sure. But I feel like that's changed now because I feel yeah. so much different and more confident and a lot more, I have a lot more understanding than I used to. Yeah. That's an, it's uh, all right. So I'll be vulnerable really quick. Um, that's so interesting because so I just started therapy like two weeks ago mm -hmm. and I was like, OK, like I got this therapist, my first ever black black therapist ever. Um, I was like, OK, I need to get somebody that's black. Like, <laughs> I just need somebody that, you know, I need somebody like not to validate me, but like all of that, all, yeah. all of it. Um, so she had me take the attachment quiz, um, the attachment stock uh, quiz, and it said secure the first time. And I made sure to like be very brutally honest with everything. Um, and it said secure. Like, and I was like, I doubted myself. I was like, ah, oh, hell no. I was like, that, that ain't right. Ain't no, ain't, <laughs> ain't no, ain't no way. Like, you know, so um, I actually did some more research and I looked into it and um, I would say that like, um, similar to what you shared, like having a disorganized attachment style. Um, there's maybe some qualities of me, probably some qualities of me now as I've gotten older that are like very secure. Um, but like, there's still that sense of like, I don't know if it's personality, my guy, like if it's, I have a disorganized personality, like I sometimes I guess forget to do stuff or sometimes like, you know, like my thoughts are in array, um, whatever it may be, so mm -hmm. much is going on. Um, and that, you know, even with relationships, I'm like, we, we, we DM the other day. I was like, oh, you know, shorty want to go on a date. Ain't no. <laughs> okay. So we, we here right now. You must, you must really be feel Okay. Like I'd be thinking in my head, like, really? Like, you know, like you're beautiful. Like really? And so some of that stuff, like definitely like I'm still, it's a still work in progress. You know, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Going to like there's not a cure for it anything like that. Um. But yeah, I think too, like what also brings me peace in a lot of it is like none of this is a life sentence, right? Like it's a oftentimes it's really a spectrum and like different days yep. calls for different times of the spectrum. So there are like definitely moments where I'm a lot more secure in myself and it's like, ain't no way. Like I, I got it. I had the understanding. And then there's other times that I'll feel a lot more insecure and a lot more disorganized. And I think the minute I started to release myself from this, like, okay, I'm fearful of avoiding. This is a life sentence. This is going to be me yeah. all the time. Or like, oh man, I feel so insecure. I'm never going to be secure about myself. It's a whole life sentence. The minute I kind of like remove myself kind of from that mentality was mm -hmm. the minute I started to feel a lot more freedom and a lot more power within myself of like, oh yeah, this is like bad now, but I could change this and I can work on it. And I now I just got to figure out like, what are the tools and what are the things I need to do to better navigate it? And I think like, Man, when I really found out, like, damn, I'm fearful avoidant. And the more conversations I had with other people about how that essentially kind of like um, how those behaviors happen and how I almost perpetuated 
that was when for me, I was like, yeah, I got to change this. Because I don't like it. I don't like having, in my opinion, like, I don't like having the same narrative that's mm. negative constantly. So, like, if I know something is wrong, or if I know, like, I'm not living up to, like, my best, my fullest potential, not best, because I don't think that's true, but, like, my fullest right. potential, good or bad, I think that's what, for me, I have to be like, okay, something has to change in order for me to kind of, like, get better at what I'm doing. So for me, yeah, man, fearful avoiding ain't that disorganized. Woo. Man, man, so I have a, I have a question for you then. It's, it's actually interesting you said that. I um, I have a thought about what you said, but I also have a question first, which is, um, you know, like what what provokes the change for you to, you know, what, what provokes you to make a change when you know, like you said, like quote unquote, something's going wrong or something it sounds like is not the way you panned it out to be. Um, mm. Like, what provokes the change for you to make, you know, like, to basically change route, you know what I'm saying? To, like, turn around and be like, okay, or kind of navigate yourself in the way that you need to be aligned in. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it's multifaceted, um, and it's not always the same thing, but, like, the the one commonality in it is, mm. for me, is, like, if I feel as if I'm repeating behaviors, and then kind mm. of continues to perpetuate over time so for example like perfect example like i had friends who would constantly be like you're not emotionally available and then that was kind of like how they associated me so like whenever mm. like relationships and liking people or anything like that it's like oh you're not emotionally available oh he's not emotionally available. like the more i heard that narrative the more i had to reflect on myself and say is that something that i'm okay with and when i recognize that i'm not okay with being known as somebody who's not emotionally available with the understanding that uh, being emotionally unavailable has an effect on other people, mm -hmm. then that's when for me, I was like, I got to break this. This cycle has to be broken in some capacity. Mm. But for me, it's a lot of times like the narratives um, that somebody tells me or I tell myself about myself. And I think to go back to your point, I think for me, like pain has always been amazing catalyst for me for good and bad reasons i think again i'm a firm believer like you could turn your mess into your message um yeah. so for me it's like this is really messy right now and this is really hard mm -hmm. to navigate but i know once i figure it out what i can learn from that i can pour it into somebody else and hopefully that can save them or help them kind of navigate it too so i think sometimes it's like me reflecting and looking how kind of like my behaviors affect other people. And then the other half is recognizing like, this hurts and this sucks, but I'm also not the only one going through this. And if I know mm -hmm. somebody else is coming up, how can I also help them? Wow, that's, that's, that's incredible. I, I, I heard that, um, I heard what you said where it, it kind of, it resonated with me when you said, I'm being, you know, not quote unquote, like I'm, I'm being labeled, right? It's what it feels like. But I'm also mm -hmm. like, it, it also sounds like, you know, there, like you said, there's this narrative around how others, especially those very close to me, view me. Um, and so I had a question on that was, do you find yourself making immediate changes when it affects the ones that you love? And if so, why? Yeah, I definitely do. I, I definitely feel that. Um, and I would say the main reason why it's because I never want to be the person to hurt the people I love. Mm. I don't want to hurt people in general. So look, that's the bigger. I don't want to hurt anybody. Like I've always wanted to be 
the person who walks into the room and is mm. automatically makes the room feel safe, feel healing, yeah. feel comfortable. People feel like they can be their authentic self. So that's number one. So like when I recognize that my being or my presence or like myself can be of pain to somebody else, regardless yeah. of it's family, friends, a stranger, that's when I'm always like, something's gotta give immediately. Like something has to change because I don't want to be that person who hurts other people. And I know like you can't always control like what happens or how other people feel, but I think I can yeah. be really intentional in making sure that I am not constantly hurting people, right? So I think for me, it's, it's really just understanding how I impact other people because I think a lot of times in our minds, we get to a place where like, oh, it doesn't matter or like people mm -hmm. project and all these other things, which is true. But I do think it's important to recognize how when you're in a room, how you affect other people because it happens. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. My bad, keep going. Oh, no, no. And I, I would say like, and then the last part of that is just really just understanding like, who who do I want to become, right? Like I, I want to always become somebody mm -hmm. who, again, is making things, but like, I've always had this mentality, you could be a fountain or you could be a drain. And that's really like, for mm. me, like, I always want to be the person who is a fountain. I'm giving people life. When I walk in a room, everybody's like, woo, energy raises versus like, yeah. I've experienced, and that was like, really like my main point is like, I've experienced in my past, those people who come into my life and were draining from the jump, right? Made me feel bad about myself. Made me not want to be open. Made me not want um, to feel love and all these other things. So like just being, recognizing what that felt like for myself and making sure nobody feels the same way. That's really like my yeah. No, I'm, wow, um, man, drop mic, my guy. That's that's <laughs> that's that's tough. I um, yeah, I I agree with that that point you made on on um, making sure you definitely don't want to hurt others and and knowing like yourself and knowing yourself knowing yourself enough to be like okay, like I can't control how this person or these people are going to you know relay or interpret the choice I'm going to make, but I can be intentional about you know, what that, you know, what I want this, what the outcome to look like and feel like more specifically, um, you know, it's, I heard like, I, I love that analogy of like, you can either be the fountain or you can be the drink. Um, and I think it's, I mean, I was like, I was supposed to make a point a minute ago, but like, you you, you keep getting me like jogging things and it's just like charging my mind up. Um, there's that, there's that sense of, and I think this would be very important for everyone to hear as well, like, I used to also think, and it was like that same thing where it was like, I don't want to be the people, the person that hurts anybody so much, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't think you're doing this, but like so much to where I was an empath, which people have this, people have this identity of like, oh, I'm an empath. Like I care about so many people, but I don't care about myself so much that I'm doing so much for others and not enough for myself, which, you know, like goes back into basically like routines and habits. Like you're, you your habits is messed up. Like, you know, like you are, you don't, you know, you have a difficulty of like knowing your values or, you know, like so many other variables could be in there. Um, but it made me think about what you said when it's like, okay, like, you know, where, like, you know, like where does your, where, where does the reservoir start, right, for you? Like, where does the reservoir start for actually wanting to change? 
Is it a change because you're seeing the people around um, that, that you're around, like they need that? Mm-hmm. Similar to what you're saying, like they need that. Like they need Nigel at his, they need Nigel Marcellus at his tip top when they, when they feel him. Even if he's not at his tip top, they still need you to just be you. Um, even if you're at your lowest, they still need you to be you. Um, or is it the reservoir of, you know, like you've got like, for me, like where I used to be, it's like, I need to just be me and for others like they gotta just accept what i am and if they don't right like it's it's on them and there's that sort of persona that we can take that other people can take from that and not you know their interpretation when i'm trying to get it like they will be like okay that dude sucks and that's where i was at at one point where it was like ah you don't accept me for me you know f it cool whatever um you know and what I'm trying to get is like, I love what you, what you're sharing. Cause it's very important for people to realize like you can still be you and not attach to the people and the things that you, that not that you value, but that are around you. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a difference between what you value and what's, what's in proximity. Like, you know, there's a huge difference in that. Like I value school, right? Like I value school for the learning and the influence I'm going to have in proximity are the people that are also in these spaces. Mm -hmm. So just because I'm going to an all white predominant school doesn't mean I'm in, you know, like, doesn't mean I'm smart. Like I'm just a smart black guy because I'm studying around other white people or just because I'm, you know, like I wear all black shirts all the time. Like, you know, doesn't mean that I'm a menace um, to other, you know, to other cultures and other people and stuff like that. Like there's, Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's so in, it's so interesting, man. Like what you said, like it really, I kind of like need to chew on a little bit more. But it's very profound for what you said. And also very simple. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate. It. And what's crazy is like as you were talking, I was thinking of like there there has to be a line between like because I think what what people get often caught up in is that is that uh, if you like good, you mm-hmm. have to essentially people please, right? And yeah. I think to your point, like that's it's a very thin line. But I think the one thing that I learned, and I have to shout out Walter, and he absolutely changed, like changed my life, changed my mentality with this. Yes, sir. And I think, like for me, I, I was always feeling like the person who has to show up always has to be this quote unquote best version of myself. So like people gravitated to, or me. Um, being this quote unquote best version is the one that lights up a room and is a fountain and everything else. And then every yeah. other version of myself that doesn't fit that has to leave. And I think what I, what I learned through Walter is that who I am when I'm my best self and who I am when my, I'm my quote unquote worst self is still me at the end of the day. So like I have to accept who I am and how I show up in whatever, whatever capacity is when I go into a room. And if people can't appreciate that, see that, like that, it's not my problem to try to fix, to change or alter, mm-hmm. because I have to understand and give myself grace for the ways on which I show up, which is going to look different because I'm human, right? So I think like for yeah. me, what I learned from that conversation is like that line is, am I doing this because I want to be accepted by all these people? Or I'm doing this because of exactly what you're saying. I'm leaning into my values, and there's something more important, a bigger picture for this. 
then that. And I think once I was able to like really kind of like, oh, I'm trying a little too hard to get this person's attention or to get them to like me. Yeah. It's like, oh no, like the I'm running away from my value. And my value is just like, I just don't want y'all to feel like you're alone or you haven't been heard or you don't have anybody that cares about you. That's when for me, mm -hmm. like the door opened. Cause like it gave me a lot more grace to be my best or worst self to show up as is and then yeah. to like be okay with like, man, I'm not always going to be a hundred percent in walk into the room and be like, oh, what's up, everybody? Like, I have bad days, too. But once yeah. I, like, I, like, gave myself the space to have bad days and still be around people and know that, like, even in my bad days, I don't have to be essentially, like, a dickhead to anybody. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I'm good. Nah, 100%. Nah, 100%. And, like, yeah, no, nah, I think I think you said, I think you, you said it pretty well. I can't even go, I can't even go on that. Like, it's, it's, it's important. Like, the values are beyond important and it's actually something um i had to learn um you know a few a few months ago man i was i was in a block um going in between like okay like you know ex uh, uh what is it um acceptance like accepting what life actually is right now like okay like i'm you know like not to give myself labels but like uh, i'm i'm a father of two that i'm you know i'm not married i'm, I'm starting to go to church um, you know, that's like, I'm not doing all the right things. I'm doing the things that I actually value, but I had to actually accept it. Mm. You know, like I have to accept it. Like I'm an Afro-Caribbean male. Like, you know, I had to accept that, um, you know, I have a lot of influence and a lot of impact on people when I walk into the room, S similar to what you're saying, like with the smile on my face, or if I'm not having the best day, like I have to accept those things. Um, and I think it's, um, uh, to it to it to your point like not trying to people please um just being yourself not trying to people please and and providing others the space to you know to also do the same for you like in respect like hey like you know this is just who i am um you know like take it or leave it this is who i am um it's it's no offense to you. I'm just I I've accepted everything I am. I'm wearing my blackness. I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing Nigel. I'm wearing Casey. Like this is who I am. Um, and I think that's a very important. That's a very important. Like that's a very important of our identity to have, man. Like you know, we can get caught up a lot on these, on these Instagram names and these mm -hmm. Snapchat names and these bios that we got and certifications that we have. Like you know, it's those are tools. Um you know, to just add to the toolbox that you already got. You're just putting a flashlight over the things that you already were born with. So Yeah, absolutely. So with all that being said, bro, just like my last question for you. Yeah. Um so again, like you, you said you're your father, you're raising two kids. And I'm curious, and this is, man, like looking at the age that your kids are, yeah. Um, and reflecting them back on who you was when you were that age what is something that you wish you could tell that version of yourself that of like the age they're at mm. um i say it i say it to them now i i think the reason i say it to them now, now a lot um and it's actually pretty much ingrained but i wish i said it to myself was a uh, pain is temporary um I tell my kids all the time, pain is temporary, you know, and a lot of the times they relate it to physical pain. Um, 
but you know relaying that to everything like okay you 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 know you grew up you had a dad you know who your dad was casey but um he expressly and explicitly expressed like you know like hey like i'm not really the one that needs to be around you to try to influence you mm-hmm. um you know like accepting that that's, that's painful to hear it's painful to be around but accepting that like pain is temporary it's it's a temp it's it is temporary um accepting that you are not the smartest one in the room based on um based on standards that were um you know ingrained in white supremacy like you know that that's just not that's not that's not how you flow that's not how you're tailored um you're tailored with rich culture like you know like the pain you'll get from you know scores and ratings is temporary it you know all that stuff is transient it's not going to last so that would be the biggest um the biggest piece of advice if I could give myself back then, like I would tell myself over and over, like, yo, like those tears, young, young blood, it's, it's temporary. Like the pain is temporary. It's, it's needed. It's temporary though. So mm-hmm. that would be it. Ooh, man. That's, that's the real job, Mike. So man, where, yeah. where can people find you at? <laughs> where can they follow you? Where can they kind of like follow your journey? Um, what, uh, plug yourself, my guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So KCT Grunts, um, First name, middle initial, last name, Casey T. Grimes um, on IG. Um, I actually have a blog that I write in weekly. I just started last week. Um, it's called creativeotb.wordpress.com. Um, I put in just, you know, quick, yet very blunt, very vulnerable, very authentic um, writing in there. I love to write. Um, that's where I'm at as far as the blog. And then I'm also starting my own um, I'll, I'll plug I'll plug you in after this a little bit more, but I'm I'm plugging in my own series of interviews. Um, not so much as similar to what you're doing, Nigel, but more so similar for um for a goal I have in mind that's something tangible that people can hold afterwards. So, um, that will be coming, and that's going to be all on the Instagram, um, and and other and other spaces as well. So on my, on my website, so y'all can y'all can follow me there. Um, I can't wait, man. I'm excited. We we got the the time and opportunity to do this, man. Like I'm, my heart is filled, bro. Like I really appreciate um, just being able to share the space, man. Like we finally got to chop it up, my guy. Finally got no, to for chop real, bro. Up, you know, bro, we definitely gonna keep talking. It is what it is. But to all the listeners, man, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Um, make yeah. sure you follow him, and you know, be on the lookout. More episodes coming next week. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. Peace and love, everybody. Yes, sir.